Dear friends, good evening, and welcome to our Tuesday night uh, talk. For the past uh, year and a half or so, we've been looking at various sutras from the chanting book uh, as a way of exploring and learning how to apply uh, the words of the Buddha uh, into our daily lives. And when we looked at uh, the Lotus Sutra uh, and the Avatamsaka Sutra, the Flower Garland uh, Discourse, uh, we were talking about, well, we need the third one uh, of the set that's not in the chanting book, unfortunately. It's called the Vimalakirti Nirdesa Sutra. And it's one of the uh, foundational uh, sutras of the Mahayana tradition. Uh, Mahayana um, is what our uh, tradition comes from. It means great. Maha means greater or great. Uh, Yana is vehicle. So it's uh, um, uh, kind of the um, equivalent of the Protestant Reformation of the Buddhist world. Um, the Mahayana tradition. And uh, this Vimalakirti Sutra is quite unlike uh, many of the sutras that we've looked at before. And it's also quite like them, too. And the sutra itself was written about six or seven hundred years after the Buddha's death. Uh, so in the first or second century of the Common Era. And uh, for a long time, the uh, Sanskrit uh, copy of that sutra was lost. Uh, so uh, what we just had some fragments of it. And then there were complete uh, versions of that sutra in both Chinese and Tibetan. Uh, it's only somewhat recently that they found a mostly intact Sanskrit version. Uh, but... The uh, sutra that I looked at uh, for this uh, was a translation from the Chinese uh, by a man named Charles Luke. A lot of uh, the reason for the, the Mahayana uh, Reformation, that transformation, was, uh, as I, I said when we were talking about the Flower Garland Sutra, uh, there was this idea or view that practice, uh, Buddhist practice, had become uh, very formulaic, uh, very uh, rote, and also it had uh, become, uh, become much more uh, self-focused. So focusing on uh, transforming and liberating uh, an individual, uh, that kind of self. So um, a lot of the uh, teachings were held in the monasteries, and lay people's role uh, at that time was to support the monastery so that the monks and uh, nuns could practice for us. Uh, and they would be hired for funerals and uh, other kinds of uh, events and ceremonies during their life. Um, and the Mahayana tradition uh, introduced more of the idea of the uh, bodhisattvas, uh, more of the idea of that anybody uh, has access to this practice. Um, it introduced more of the idea that our 
liberation, our freedom from suffering, is uh, intimately and uh, completely connected and tied to the suffering of all beings. So that we cannot be free from suffering if there are others who are also suffering. So the practice, uh, in that sense, became much larger than uh, a practice for ourselves. It became a practice uh, for all beings. Uh, For being able to um, not just develop ourselves and feel good, but to also go out in the world and to... um, and to work towards ending the suffering of all, and not just through rites and ceremonies. Um, the name of the sutra, Vimalakirti, Nirdesa. Nirdesa means the words of, and Vimalakirti is a person. Uh, and actually, Vimalakirti is a lay person. And it's one of the few uh, sutras that I am aware of that uh, the lay person is the one who is uh, offering the discourse. Uh, And in fact, uh, the sutra itself, this will not be a book report, I promise, but there is so much in there, it's it's a really interesting uh, sutra. But um, in it, all of the uh, bodhisattvas and the uh, senior disciples that we've read about and heard about, uh, Shariputra, Navalokita and Ananda and all of these uh, characters that we hear through uh, the other sutras <coughs> are uh, actually taken to task by Vimalakirti, who is a lay person. Um, and so uh, an example is uh, the uh, Shariputra. He's particularly picked on in the sutra, but he's, he's going through the, the town begging and Vimalakirti walks up to him and says, Hey, Shariputra! And uh, starts to give him a a lecture on uh, going beyond uh, just these kind of um, routine practices of begging, these routine practices of practicing just for yourself. And he goes through, and in fact, uh, the Buddha wants to send someone to visit Vimalakirti while he's quite ill. And they go through the list and everybody says, no, I can't go to see him. Last time I saw him, he took me to task about this particular point, so I'm not worthy to see him. Uh, and they go through everybody. And uh, uh, finally, Manjushri, uh, bodhisattva of great understanding, uh, is a, he, he says, well, he took me to task, but I'm okay going to visit him. Uh, so they bring uh, a whole group of people to uh, Vimalakirti's home uh, to visit him while he's sick. And um, it's an important sutra because it takes these uh, individuals who are uh, very revered in the Buddhist tradition and uh, shows that they too might not have uh, a complete understanding. Um, That there are other people who are practicing diligently and wholeheartedly who might have a different understanding or a a profound understanding as well. It's actually, there's a lot of humor in the sutra. Um, There's a a scene where uh, Vimalakirti's hut is completely empty, and Shariputra looks around and notices this and wonders, uh, 
Where's everybody going to sit? And Vimalakirti kind of guesses what he says. He's like, did you come here to sit? Or did you come here to hear the Dharma? <laughs> and, uh, you know, Shariputra gets embarrassed. And, uh, uh, but it's, a, it's, it's wonderful in that sense, in that uh, it loosens, uh, for me, it loosens up a little bit of that uh, reverence of what I see as senior practitioners. Uh, it reminds me that we all have that capacity, um, that we all, uh, and likewise, all of the senior practitioners also are just people, and they might, uh, in a particular moment, not be demonstrating the deepest understanding. Maybe they're just looking for a place to sit down, <laughs> which is okay. <laughs> but it's wonderful that, uh, that they're called out for it. Um, So, um, I encourage you to, uh, uh, there's many versions of this online, just to read through some of it, uh, um, read through some of the sutra. Uh, I brought uh, copies of a, uh, just a section of one of the chapters, um, but uh, just to kind of get a sense of how uh, this dialogue is, is going on, how this is occurring, and how the... Um, Vimalakirti is uh, demonstrating uh, deep understanding. And this uh, sutra, one of the key points of it uh, is this sense of non-duality. This uh, practice of non-duality. And so... Uh, in just about every time that uh, Vimalakirti is talking to some of the uh, senior monks or some of the bodhisattvas, um, it's always encouraging people. Uh, it's because somebody's caught in an idea of something. Of, um, in the case of Shariputra and the begging bowl, caught in the idea of... Um, being separate from the person that you're begging from and from the food that you receive. Uh, just, uh, it's, it's a constant invitation to keep looking, to keep looking, to not rest uh, with thinking that we have an understanding. It's a lovely uh, invitation to practice. Uh, it's an opportunity for us to look at places where we are uh, stuck, uh, where we have some kind of uh, idea that we really hold on to, and to look underneath that and, and see what's underneath that idea. The other piece uh, of that uh, that goes hand in hand with that uh, practice of non duality is the practice of direct experience of the practice. Uh, many times uh, what uh, Vimalakirti is, is encouraging people to do is to not practice the idea of the practice, but to actually do it, to actually experience uh, experience what it means to let go and to, to be that uh, profoundly connected to something else. <coughs> And it's not about uh, um, 
simply feeling good, making yourself feel better. Uh, it's about going even underneath that and making, making yourself feel connected. And for me, when I uh, was reading that and hearing that uh, over and over, it made me look at myself and say, why do I practice? Why do I come here? Um, because there is an element of, uh, you know, I come because it's, uh, it feels good. There is that part of, of me that really enjoys that. Um, recently, uh, just in my own life, I've been feeling a little uh, disconnected uh, in general. Disconnected from, um, I guess, from life. Not, um, um, not in, in a, uh, a scary or uh, numb way, but just not as engaged as I would like to be. And, um, and I notice that when that happens, sometimes my sitting practice and mindfulness practice uh, becomes... Rather than a way of engaging, it's a way of retreating uh, further. Um, so, for example, um, you know, when I'm uh, engaging with my children, uh, when they're happy to see me or, uh, after I come home from work or something like that, uh, you know, maybe I start following my breath and... Um, telling myself that I'm very present with them. But I've noticed that when I've got this feeling of disconnect, uh, sometimes that practice uh, reinforces that separation rather than connection. Um, because I start focusing uh, just on me, uh, on my breath, and on, uh, on my body, uh, rather than on this relationship. Um, and it's, uh, for me, that's a little bit of a danger of, uh, of this practice and a danger of doing this practice for a long time, uh, is that there's, it's can be quite easy to invite that sense of, uh, of disconnect as a way of, uh, uh, bringing my heart out of the situation uh, rather than bringing my heart forward. And so in, in uh, reading this uh, sutra, I was uh, very happy to um, hear that kind of constant refrain of, no, no, it, this isn't just doing the, the practice uh, to do the practice. This is doing the practice to engage, uh, to be connected, and to keep looking, to keep going deeper, to not be satisfied uh, with... Um, what I think my understanding is. Uh, so it's been very helpful uh, to, to notice that uh, kind of that way of disconnecting, to notice that way of using practice as a way of hiding rather than uh, engaging. And also, uh, um, you know, you can almost hear like Vimala Kirti being like, hey, Greg. <laughs> Right, you know, kind of yelling at me from the street because all the scenes is like somebody's just walking or something, and he just shows up and starts yelling at him. Uh, it's 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 
and, but but you know you have that reminder, that invitation. Like you know, are you here to um, follow your breath, or are you here to engage with life? Right. Uh, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive questions, uh, but at times, uh, uh, depending on the situation, uh, it. For me, it could be the following my breath could be a way of not engaging. And so, you know, that question, why do we practice? Why do we come here? Everybody probably has a different answer. uh, And everybody probably comes in the beginning for a different reason than uh, you're experiencing now. It changes, it, it grows and develops uh, over time. Which is the wonderful thing about sticking with it. Uh, is, uh, you know, uh, after, um, for me, the initial kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, this practice is amazing. I feel great, I feel connected. And then you start to realize, it's like, I have a lot of bad habits. <laughs> I have a lot of things inside myself that are, Uh, They're not stopping. Um, And so uh, there's these uh, constant reminders of of coming back uh, to that practice. It doesn't doesn't end. Um, And so in the beginning I I came because it did feel, it felt great. Um, And that's probably a good thing. Uh, If it was too hard, I probably wouldn't come back, right? But... um, but there is that uh, danger of kind of resting in that uh, just um, uh, stress management or uh, uh, um, a way of, of feeling good or of not uh, um, maybe having quite as much uh, emotional ups and downs uh, because you can uh, begin to regulate by uh, following the breath. So it's, it's wonderful to keep looking, uh, like Vimalakirti encourages uh, us uh, through the dialogue with the practitioners. Um, you know, when we step into the meditation hall and bow, right, you can almost hear him saying, you know, like, hey, why are you bowing? Are you bowing? You know, and just that, that always that, uh, that question, what are we doing? What are you doing? Right now, um, why are you doing it? Um, wonderful, wonderful questions of bringing us present. Um, there are several key uh, moments in the sutra that I wanted that I'd like to highlight. Um, one of them I've spoken about the. Uh, bodhisattvas and the senior disciples, the monastics being schooled, uh, being taught, uh, corrected by Vimalakirti. There's another lovely passage. Uh, This might be one of the um, first sutras and one of the very few sutras uh, that uh, takes a uh, feminist stance. Um, most of the sutras are very patriarchal. Um, and in this particular sutra, there's an exchange between Shariputra and a goddess who has entered into uh, Vimalakirti's hut. There, 
It's a Mahayana Sutra, so there's a lot of magic and a lot of kind of high drama in the Sutra. But uh, the goddess is um, teaching Shariputra, and there was, for a long time, uh, there's a teaching to the nuns uh, in the tradition that their best hope uh, in their life to practice is to be reborn as a man so they can be enlightened. Um, <laughs> that's in our tradition. Uh, just We just have to know that, that that's there. It's not um, taught uh, and it's not believed, but it's a legacy that comes uh, through. I just want, want you to be aware of that. But... Um, Shariputra is talking with the goddess, and he says to her, why do not you change your female bodily form? Uh, Because she's so enlightened. Why doesn't she just change into a man so that she can finally be released? And so the goddess says, for the last 12 years I have been looking in vain for a female bodily form. So what do you want me to change? In other words, she's been looking into her, uh, her body, and uh, she realizes that her body is empty. She's been looking, her, in other words, uh, her body is composed of everything else. This is like an illusionist who creates an illusory woman. Is it correct to ask him to change this unreal woman? Um, and Shariputra says, no, because it is not a real body. Into what then can it be changed? And then, she uses magic, and she changes uh, Shariputra into a heavenly goddess. And then he says, um, she says, why do not you change your female form? And he says, I do not know why I have turned into a goddess. (laughs) (laughs) And then she says, Shariputra, if you can change your female, female body, all women should also be able to turn into men. Like Shariputra, who is not a woman, but appears in female bodily form, all women are the same. And though they appear in female form, they are not fundamentally women. Hence the Buddha said, all things are neither male nor female. And likewise, uh, the invitation is Shariputra to look into his body and to see um, uh, that it is not male um, or female. And of course those distinctions exist in our world. Um, and of course we have those, uh, uh, we have these um, systemic uh, structures in place. Um, but there is this invitation, and, not but, sorry, and, there is an invitation to keep looking deeply. Not just, uh, um, not just women to keep looking deeply, but for men to also do that. That's a, a very powerful passage uh, in a very old sutra. And I wish that that thread had been picked up and carried on uh, more. Um, but we do have it today. And so, um, there's a lot more to say about uh, this sutra. But I will, I will close by um, 
one other point that uh, is brought up a lot is this idea of um, skillful means, uh, expedient teaching, uh, upaya is the Sanskrit word. Uh, and many times in, in the readings, people are referred, uh, events, circumstances, situations, relationships are referred to as expedient means or these, this upaya, the skillful means of teaching. When Vimalakirti is sick, uh, it says that he did this as a way of getting people to come visit him so he could teach them the Dharma. Um, now, another way of looking at that is that uh, when there is sickness, it's a way of looking deeply. Um, and when we visit somebody who is sick, even if they're not uh, verbally teaching the Dharma, we can look at them and look with them uh, to learn, uh, to develop our practice. And there are many, many other examples of uh, expedient means or these skillful teachings. Uh, I th often think of my children as uh, skillful means, uh, teachers. Um, I think of people in my life who uh, frustrate me as the teachers. Uh, and what a different way of looking at them, a uh, much more generous way of looking at them, is that they are using skillful means to assist my ability to practice. Um, there are times where I wish that they weren't so skillful, <laughs> but, um, but they're, uh, it, it's, it's a much more generous interpretation of what's going on around. There's a, a Lutheran uh, author, and she wrote, uh, and I don't have the quote, it's come to me, um, I guess it would be third hand now, uh, through a friend, and he said, you know, having an a enlightenment uh, experience, or uh, in the Lutheran tradition, a connection to the divine, is very easy when you're on a mountaintop, uh, when you're see, taking in this gorgeous vista, it's much harder when you're sitting next to someone who pisses you off in church. Um, and so that's an invitation uh, to look into that. Why, uh, why is it easy to have a transcendent or um, uh, connective experience uh, when we're on a mountaintop or in beautiful scenery? And why is it not so easy to do that when we're with somebody who uh, frustrates us? or annoys us. Um, and how do we bring that experience off the mountaintop into that situation? Um, and one way, uh, as suggested by this, is to view that situation as a, uh, an opportunity for developing our practice, a skillful uh, way of pushing our buttons so that that seed of whatever it is comes up in us and that we really get to look at it. Uh, we really get an opportunity to, uh, to be with it. I was talking uh, earlier um, about uh, it's really easy to put our uh, best foot forward for short times. Um, uh, which is 
when I first uh, came to the practice, when I first came here, uh, it was very easy to, um, in my mind, be, you know, the, the perfect practitioner. Um, but the longer you stick with it, uh, the more that um, all those things that are easy to ignore in the beginning start showing up. Um, just like with any relationship. Uh, you know, the, the honeymoon period. Uh, and then the real work uh, begins. I just heard today um, Bell Hooks uh, said something along the lines of romantic love is one of the most dangerous ideas that was introduced into our uh, into our society that uh, love is not something that happens to us but it's something we do. Um, I just really like that. I really appreciate that view of, of love. It's uh, in that way, that view, uh, likewise, of opening. Um, it's not something that happens to us, uh, although we may have those moments that ha- seem to happen to us. But it's really about the doing, about the engagement um, that uh, Vimalakirti keeps encouraging us to do.